In a perfect world, your kid will get a full ride to their dream college and money won't even be an issue. But we're going to be honest with ourselves and chances are our kid is not going to get a full ride and we're going to have to sit down and try to figure out the best way to pay for college. What do you need to know when filling out college applications? I am Sandy Waters. This is 7 Figures, all the information that you need to dominate your finances. If you are new to the podcast, well, welcome. Each week we tap into financially savvy people and we learn from them. What do they know that we should know? The goal is to have you walk away with little nuggets of financial knowledge that will give you a better financial future. Thank you to our good friends at Family First Credit Union for being such big supporters of the podcast, a helpful, educated team in our community that enjoys helping you live a financially healthy life. If your kids are still really young, this is perfect. Start stashing money away now for their college, even if that means you're going to have to skip a vacation or two or push off the, the renovations to the house. Every little bit will help. But if your child is in high school, we're talking sophomore or junior year, and you don't have much saved for them, okay, don't beat yourself up too much about it. It is what it is. Let's try to figure this out together. Which college loans are better than others? And how do you make college more affordable? We cash in with our expert, Jody Rosenshine-Atkins, an independent college admissions counselor. Her focus is helping families like yours identify best fit colleges. Jody, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Did we miss the boat on, did a, a lot of students already commit to colleges? So the first thing I want to say is that students who may have not finished their application process or decided to apply on the later side, late bloomers, um, there are about 500 schools in the United States, across the United States, and schools that you will have heard of that still have beds, that have scholarships, and that have seats in their classrooms. So students who are graduating this month who may not have gotten their plans in order still have the opportunity to go in September. All right, that's good to know. Now, when you navigate through this process, it is overwhelming. So for the students that are the late bloomers, or maybe if your kid is approaching that, you know, sophomore, junior, um, it's hard. You, you're you in the middle of it, and here you have your child. Their heart is set on the aesthetics of a college, and they're not thinking the financial side of it. But no. you as the parent is like, gulp. Everybody ought to be thinking about the finances. And when I talk to families about best fit college choices, the fit factors are academic, financial, social, and cultural. And the best fit that you can achieve in all four of those arenas is going to be the place where your student is most likely to succeed. One of the things that I tell families all the time is there you can borrow money. You can borrow people borrow out of their retirement funds and people take out Parent PLUS loans. You can take out lots and lots of money. Kids say, oh, I'll just borrow it and then I'll pay it back. Well, there's a rule of thumb that I advise families about borrowing money. Okay. And that is... Go on the government website to the um, labor department and find out what the average first-year annual salary is for a position you might be interested in. And then that first one-year salary, you should never borrow more than that total. So, for example, if you're going to get a job and you suspect that you're going to make, I don't know, $40,000 a year, no student should borrow more than $10,000 a year over the four years of college so that they don't exceed that first year's earnings. 
Why is that the rule of thumb? Because some economist who's smarter than I am has discovered that you can pay interest and principal on a loan of that amount with that salary. So that's, that's a rule of thumb. That's saying you're going to get the job well, in yes. your field, well, making uh, that, yeah. Exactly. And I, I urge people to underestimate, to not say, oh, I'm going into finance and I'm going to make $80,000 a year. Well, probably not. Not the first year. Um, and But that's a rule of thumb. And it helps kids kind of get grounded because it puts them in the numbers game. Okay. I say to them, if this is what you're going to do, let's look at what environmental scientists make. Yeah. Um, and it's always less than they think it's going to be. But at least you're within the ballpark of what you as a student borrow against what you're going to make so that you can touch the principal. Because when kids drown in debt, it's because the interest is so high yeah. and the payments are so high that they never get to paying off the principal and they pay forever. And then they just, they kind of give up, right? Feel defeated. All right, well, this is going to be my life for 30 well, years or whatever. But even more than that, it impacts their ability to buy a house. It impacts their ability to buy a car. For some kids, it impacts their ability to get married because people without debt are sometimes reticent to marry people with huge amounts of debt because then you take that on. Let's break down some of the key things that we should know as parents and educating our kids about this because you do have to have a black and white, very frank conversation with them. Okay, so this is part of the conversation I have with families I work with. Okay. Money is like sex. It is really real. It's not quite as <laughs> okay. um, but <laughs> Well, yeah, for okay. us, this is the financial right. podcast. Okay. We are all about that, being turned on by finances. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but money for kids, money as a discussion between parents and kids is like sex. It is uncomfortable, it is difficult, and it is important. Yes. And if you don't have that conversation, there is a chance of somebody putting themselves at significant risk. So when you think about it that way, Mm -hmm. you open up the conversation. I'm not saying that every family needs to open the books and disclose everything about their financial status with a student, but you need to let a kid know realistically what you can afford to give them and work backwards from that number. Okay. The other thing that I urge families to do is not be shocked by sticker price. Because you look at these schools, and there are schools that are topping over $70,000 a year now for room, board, tuition, and fees. It's insane. And again, if you're working on a really tight budget, let's not look, you know, on on Say Yes to the Dress, they always say, don't try on the dress you can't afford because nothing else will ever feel that good. Ah. So don't go out and look at schools that are so totally out of range. They're $70,000 a year, and the average award is ten. $60,000 $60,000 is not going to work for your family, then don't go Move there. On. Okay. Um, how do you know, though? How do you know that that's a place you can afford? And this is where our federal government has done something wonderful. There is on every single college website a place called the Net Price Calculator, the NPC. Okay. And the Net Price Calculator tells you what a family that looks like yours economically with a student who looks like yours academically might anticipate globally paying when they go there. And that's pretty accurate? It's a starting place. Okay. I tell families if you're within 10 to 20% of your target range with that number, then let's proceed. Now, in this calculator, do they factor in how much you have saved, how much in the 529 plan, all of that? 
Yes, it's not quite as complicated or comprehensive as a FAFSA or a CSS profile, which I hope we'll get to talk a little bit about. But it is a quick and dirty look at what can you expect this school to cost you. Okay. And then you can decide to look at it more in depth or not. Okay. So before we get to don't be scared of that initial price, let's dive into the FAFSA and these loans. You you refer to parent Plus, which I do have a friend who fell victim to that. And she says, I fell victim to that because they kept pushing it on me. And I I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. Right. And what parent loves saying no to their child? Right. Oh, mommy, mommy, I really want to go. Okay. So let's start with the FAFSA. Okay. FAFSA is an acronym for the Free Application for Federal Student Aid. Okay. Notice that the first word in that is free. It means you don't pay to file a FAFSA. You don't have to hire someone to fill it out. The website complicated though. It's not that bad, and it actually can be filled. um, There's an autofill feature that allows you to reference your last tax return. Oh, okay. So it's a little complicated, and nobody likes talking about money and writing down all the Mm -hmm. numbers. But it's free, and there is no reason. That anybody, including, I don't know, somebody who's as rich as Tom Golisano, should not fill out a FAFSA. Ah, There's no downside to filling it out. And in fact, at some schools, and again, I got bad advice. I have four kids who all went to school within four years of each other. That's a whole different podcast. (laughs) Um, but, but, But we got bad advice and we were told, oh, you'll never qualify, so don't fill out a FAFSA. And so you didn't get married aid. So you want to fill this out. There is no downside to filling out the FAFSA. Okay. Okay. Now, is this a grant or a loan? You have to pay back this money or is this a... FAFSA is just federal student aid. It can be a grant. It can be work study. It can be be anything. And the schools will also use it for institutional allocation. Um, But what that says is this is a generic application for aid. And it gives a school a starting point. Negotiation happens a lot. Obviously, you can't say, oh, you want 60 and my kid's worth more than that, so uh, I, I want to pay 20 Like It's not like buying a used car. But you can – this is the starting point for the conversation. All right. So then – So you fill out the FAFSA. Okay. That's the right. very first thing we should do. Yes. Everybody okay. should fill that out. And you can't do it until October 1st of the student's senior year. Okay? So you can't fill it out now. But the important thing to know is that the – it changed recently, and so you will be using your 2017 tax return for the class of 2019, prior, prior year. Ah. In the past, it used to be you had to, like, rush the accountant with your taxes because they'd use the prior year. 2019 would be your 2018 taxes, and nobody would have those filled out. This gives you a better picture. The downside to it being prior, prior, is that people's circumstances change. So in 2017, you were fully employed, and then you lost your job. And now it's 2018, and you're unemployed, but the school is basing it on 2017. You following me? Mm-hmm. So that's when you send an appeal or you make a phone call to the financial aid office. There's no shame in talking to those people. They are there to help you. They want to make things work. Okay. Given that information, they also want to be paid for what they're giving you, which is an education. So now what's this parent plus? Why is it? Why did you give me that look when I told you my <laughs> friend fell victim, quote unquote, to it? Parent plus loans are loans that are taken in the 
parent's name. Okay. So they count on the parent's credit rating. They are loans that cannot be forgiven. So student loans, there are some, this much more complicated than we're going to be able to get into this morning, but there are some loans that students take that are repaid based on your earnings potential or Ah, repaid based on doing public service or working for -for not-for-profit. Those are forgiven. Parent plus loans can't be forgiven, and they typically run at a much higher interest rate than federally offered student loans. So why would the college encourage the parents to go that route? Is it more money in their pockets? Is it an easier? The bills have to be paid. It costs this. I mean, nothing is free. Not even, contrary to what people want to say, not even if you go to a New York State school, it's not free. And so the bills have to be paid. And your kid wants to go there and they want your kid in their seat and you don't have that money. Well, here, borrow it. Here's a way to borrow it. I think it's the least economically savvy way to finance a child's education. Would you ever entertain that idea? Me personally, no. Okay. No. So find another way or find another school. You you just, I don't want to hear it. Or you find another way to come up with that portion of the money. Okay. Like they're going to say, here's how you don't have this money, so here's how you can get it. You either make a different choice. Um, in terms of a school, uh-huh. or you find a different way to find it. What are those other different ways that are on the table? Um. <laughs> I am so ignorant to all of this. Okay. Which way should we go? If the you first, had to prioritize Okay, the first us. way we should go yeah. is to look for a place where your kid is going to be in the top 25% of the class. You know why? Because they're going to be offered merit money. Oh. Merit money is free. Okay. Let me kind of get basic. There's a bunch of different kinds of financial aid pieces in a financial aid package. The first is money that is a gift, okay? Gift money. Those are grants. Those are scholarships. That's money that they give you, Mm -hmm. and then you don't have to give that back. Okay. Okay, that's merit aid, or they call it a lot of things. Do they typically give every student something? They don't give... nobody ever really pays face value, do they? You're saying that to a mother who didn't get good financial advice. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and remember, they were all in there at the same time. It was a bad, bad, oh my bad. God. I, mean, I didn't know. I wasn't in this business. I didn't know. Back is that what made you so passionate about what you do today? No. What oh, makes okay. me so passionate about what I did today was that I had kids who, they, the first ones that went to college were twins, and they had a bad match. And there was no longer year in my life than the year that they were at a school oh, that was God. not a good fit. Okay. And for which I was paying every penny. So so what made me passionate was, God, this is really energizing to try to make this puzzle work moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I went back to school and whatever. Okay. Okay. Um, but going back to the financial pieces. Yeah. So there are grant monies. There are scholarship monies. Those are gift monies. Okay. Okay. Then there are loans. Loans are borrowed, and you pay them back. There are federally guaranteed loans, and they are subsidized and unsubsidized. Oh, yes. Okay. So what does that mean? Subsidized loans means that the interest on that loan is paid by the government until six months after you graduate. Okay. Unsubsidized loans are offered by the government, also at a lower interest rate than the bank. Um, Those loans begin to accrue interest as soon as you sign the paperwork but you don't pay them back until six months later. 
So you're paying back more than you borrowed. You borrowed $10,000 your freshman year. You're paying interest on that for four years. You borrowed another $10,000. It's not going to be 10. It's going to be like seven or 7,500. Yeah. Um, you're going to pay interest on that for three years. It just And it compounds. But you're paying – that interest gets added to what you owe. So those are unsubsidized loans. Which one do you prefer? Everybody prefers a subsidized loan. Okay. Um, generally, your package is going to include a combination of loans. Okay. Okay. Then there are self-help monies. So self-help monies include things like work-study. You get a job on campus. The federal government helps pay your wage, which is why the school likes to offer those jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can work. And students can work. And don't get me wrong. I really believe that students should have some skin in the game when they go to school. Be that self-help money. Be that loan money. This is not a four-year party. I can't tell you how many students are like, oh, I want to go to a football game, and I want to be a sporty, yeah. And, yeah. And, and I want a dorm that's this, and I want hand-rolled sushi for lunch. They can't comprehend these type of numbers. Yeah. I- I have so many heated discussions with other parents. No, they cannot. They can't comprehend numbers, 50,000, 70,000. It just, they've never seen it. They've never had to deal with it before. So um, the number one thing that you would suggest is doing that FAFSA. Everybody should fill out a FAFSA and everybody should do the net price calculator for the schools that they're considering. And try to stay in your budget. Yes. And if you have to take out a loan. Try to make it a subsidized loan first. Second choice is an unsubsidized loan. You want to keep the borrowing to a minimum. You want the borrowing to not exceed one quarter of the anticipated salary you're going to get when you get out of school. Private versus federal loans? Oh, federal loans are going to have a better rate. Okay. Um, this was a lot to digest already, and we just scratched the surface on talking about getting your kid ready for college. So we're going to have to bring you back in, Jody. What's the what's the best way to get a hold of you in the meantime? My website is jodyratkin.com. My email address is jodyratkin at gmail.com. Okay, perfect. And then the next big topic in the next few weeks is going to be, what do you think the next hot button is? I think the next hot button is how to get started and what do you do about college tours? Oh, college tours. Right, okay. because those are expensive. You're going to put yourself in a car and potentially travel a great distance to look at a school. You want to use that time and that energy wisely okay. as well and as the cost. And a lot of students are going into their senior year are probably starting that process right now. Exactly. Okay, we'll talk about that next time that we bring you in. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, Sandy. It's been wonderful. Next week on the Seven Figures Podcast, not all millennials are created equal. Listen, Elizabeth is the role model. We want our child to be like Elizabeth, 23 years old, and she is financially buttoned up. We can learn a lot from Elizabeth next week on the Seven Figures Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen. And if you don't mind sharing it with a friend, scrolling down a little bit on iTunes and giving us a a rating and a review. Have a great weekend. Dominate your finances.